Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. It's an open line Friday. The phone number is 877-973-7425. You can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get the show notes, the podcast, the live stream. Follow me around social media. Uh, We got to move to the Speaker of the House fight in Congress. You know, they can't advance legislation without a speaker. The Speaker Pro Tem's whole job is to preside over the House in an administrative capacity until a new Speaker is selected. It's a creation of 9-11. But Speaker Pro Tem has no real power. Steve Scalise is out. I want to explain to you the history there. Steve Scalise's chickens came home to roost. Let me say first, there is some sense to Scalise as speaker in that he was the victim of that mass assassination attempt by James Lee Hodgkinson, who tried to gun down members of Congress. Scalise was critically injured but survived. He's now battling cancer. He's a strong fighter. So it it makes some sense to make him the face of the GOP. I mean, this man was nearly assassinated. Uh, and is for gun rights. He's He's got uh, good responses to the gun control advocates and stuff. But Scalise years ago burned bridges with conservatives in Congress. There is an organization in the United States House of Representatives called the Republican Study Committee. For years, the Republican Study Committee was that organization wherein the conservatives got together to map out legislative strategy. You may have heard of some of the leaders of the Republican Study Committee. Uh, There was Mike Pence. There was a guy you might have heard of named Jim Jordan, among others. Jeb Henserling and others. One of the rules of the Republican Study Committee was that the founders of the Republican Study Committee got to endorse their successor. The idea was that within the Republican Study Committee, you didn't want it to become a tool of the establishment. And so the founders would say, hey, we would like this guy to be the next leader. We we trust his conservative credentials. And the membership would vote, and every time they would pass it on to who the leaders wanted. However, over time, what happened is a lot of non-conservative members of the Republican conference joined the Republican Study Committee. They would say, by virtue of being in the Republican Study Committee, that they were conservatives, but they would do two things. One is they would leak the strategy of the RSC to leadership, and two, they would campaign, even though they were moderates or liberals, and say, hey, I'm of the Republican Study Committee. Of course I'm a conservative. The Republican Study Committee leadership then um, had a smaller group of the actual conservatives. Go back now to the Bush administration. The Bush administration advocated for several things early on. One was No Child Left Behind, the massive education bill that, as a show of good faith, George W. Bush allowed Ted Kennedy— then in the U.S. Senate from Massachusetts to write. It was a massive government boondoggle for education. Another was Medicare Part D. Bush wanted to expand entitlements for senior citizens with Medicare Part D. 
conservatives in the House were livid with both. And over time, by the time Obama got there, Republican conservatives in the House and the Republican Study Committee were fighting their own leadership, trying to push them further to the right. They were tired of an accommodationist approach with Republican establishment types and with the Democrats. And so what you did, what you saw happen was the Republican Study Committee began killing rules packages. What would ha- what normally happens is that uh, the majority develops a rules package and says, here are the terms of debate on the legislation we're about to advance. And so you vote on the rule that sets the parameters of debate on the floor of the legislation, and then you vote on the legislation. And what Republican study committee members started doing was they would vote against the rule, and it's unheard of to have members of the majority kill a rule. If you kill a rule, you largely kill the underlying legislation because if you bring the legislation to the floor without the rule in place, well, then anybody can submit any amendment and you get the Democrats trying to put Republicans into difficult voting positions and they don't want it to happen. So the Republican Study Committee began sabotaging Republican legislation, trying to make it more conservative. Jim Jordan was term-limited as RSC chairman. There were term limits. The leadership wanted a guy from Georgia named Tom Graves, who at the time was pretty conservative. He, when this happened, after this happened, shifted towards very much more pro-leadership position. Tom Graves, they wanted him to be the RSC chairman. And Steve Scalise took advantage of all the moderate and liberal Republicans who had taken up residence in the RSC to claim their conservative credentials, even though they weren't. And for the first time ever, the guy the leaders wanted to run the RSC as the conservative lost to the guy the moderates wanted. Steve Scalise took over the conservative think tank, essentially, within the House of Representatives and immediately began purging its conservative staff. He got rid of all the conservative staffers. He made life difficult for the conservatives who were in the Republican Study Committee. What happened is those conservatives who had been in and running the Republican Study Committee left. And the Republican Study Committee collapsed under Steve Scalise's leadership. And the House Freedom Caucus started. We would not have a House Freedom Caucus but for Steve Scalise's coup within the Republican Study Committee. Memories last a long time. That was years ago. That was in the, what, 2010-ish, 2011-ish period. And the grudges have been nursed ever since. So now Steve Scalise, having gotten the Republican Study Committee members to ignore Jim Jordan's choice for replacement in the Republican Study Committee, forcing out Jim Jordan and others who started the House Freedom Caucus, now Scalise running against Jim Jordan. And guess what? A lot of the conservatives who have been around for a while said, nope, payback. Finally, payback. We will not have you be our Speaker of the House. Only about eight of them 
But there are eight members of the House Freedom Caucus who had the institutional legacy and knowledge of what Steve Scalise had done, and his chickens came home to roost. So now Scalise is out. He won't be Speaker of the House. He'll stay Majority Leader for now. And uh, Austin Scott is going to run for Speaker of the House. Austin Scott happens to be my member of Congress. I remember going to meetings encouraging Austin Scott to run for Congress. Austin Scott isn't worth a warm bucket of spit. I can't imagine he becomes Speaker of the House. The man is a quick-tempered egotist. I actually have a friend who who was a staffer in the House of Representatives uh, and was helping sabotage the big pork farm bill, and Austin Scott wanted to fight the guy. That's the sort of man Austin Scott, a member of Congress, wanted to fight a legislative staffer over legislation, like physically fight the staffer. Austin Scott is, uh, he'd be a waste of a speaker. Uh, He's a waste of of space in Congress to begin with. Uh, Austin Scott trying to be Speaker of the House. Now, Austin Scott, you should also know, has some of the worst constituent service in Congress. So if his communications with members of Congress are anything like his communications with his constituents, they probably don't even know he's running for Speaker. A buddy of mine in middle Georgia actually texted me this morning and said, I was flabbergasted to learn Austin Scott's still in Congress given how bad his constituent services are. Literally, around middle Georgia in the areas where Austin Scott is, uh, Republicans have to reach out to John Ossoff and, and Raphael Warnock, the two Democratic senators, if they want to get anything done because Austin Scott's constituent services are terrible. Having that guy as Speaker of the House would be a disaster. Uh, He'd be punching Democrats, which would be funny, uh, but he'd also be punching legislative staffers, undoubtedly. Uh, Quick-tempered, ill-tempered, ineffective member of Congress who's just a leadership lackey. There's no way he should be uh, the Speaker of the House, but who knows? So here's what's happening now with the Speaker's fight. We can't get anything done. We can't get legislation funded. We can't get any appropriations. We can't get anything done. We can't get a budget done without a Speaker of the House. That, you, that may be a good thing for you, but if you don't have a Speaker and the government shuts down, uh, you can't even fund the Border Patrol. So they want a Speaker. But now the moderates are deciding they're going to pay back the conservatives. They're still mad at Matt Gates. We wouldn't be in this situation without Matt Gates' sabotage of Kevin McCarthy. So Tom McClintock is actually a pretty effective conservative out in California and a number of others. They're saying, hey, we need to just bring McCarthy back. We need to vacate the motion to vacate and put McCarthy back in. This is nonsense. You've got other moderates who are taking the position, absolutely not. We will not allow Jim Jordan to be chair or speaker as payback to what they did to Kevin McCarthy. So I don't know how Jim Jordan gets to 217 votes in all honesty. I, I don't know how he can do it because you've got you can only lose four and you've got at least five moderates say, look, you killed McCarthy and you killed Scalise. We're not giving you Jordan. It's got to be somebody else. So the House is stuck while they scramble to get the votes. There are enough conservatives, I think, who will not under any circumstance vote for Oscar. At least I hope so. He'd be a terrible speaker. Uh, I don't know how you how you navigate this at this point. Uh, maybe we're going to have to have Patrick McHenry stay. Um, 
And Patrick McHenry at least knows how to count votes. He'd be an effective speaker. He's not my favorite member of Congress, but he'd be effective because he knows how to count the votes. I, I got no idea how this is going to shape out now. Uh, I assume Scalise would be able to pull it off, but man, the the memory of what he did to the Republican Study Committee has stayed strong with these House conservatives. They wanted nothing to do with him, so we're going to have to keep waiting and watching and see how this mess plays out in the House of Representatives. No no grown-ups rising to the occasion. Essentially, what you have is a, a pool of about a dozen moderates saying, screw you conservatives, and a pool of about a dozen conservatives saying, screw you moderates. And both sides have the capacity to sabotage the other side. So who do you find in the middle of the road? I don't know. But those moderates are reaching across the aisle to the Democrats to see if they can help come up with a compromise candidate. What a mess. What a mess. All because Matt Gates had a personal grudge against Kevin McCarthy and threw a temper tantrum. That's why we're here today. Meanwhile, we can't even fund appropriations to help Israel. Thanks, Matt Gates. Hello, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, stand by. Those of you on the phones, I will get to your phone calls. I promise. Now, I I, I tread lightly here because I know how some of you are. I... It never ceases to amaze me the narcissism of some who want to make everything about themselves. And I have to say, yes, the former president is doing that. Um, He is upset with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu for congratulating Joe Biden on his win and not standing with Trump on the claim of stolen election. So he's attacking Netanyahu. But he has also now doubled down on calling Hezbollah smart. Um, you know what? I, you, you can say a terrorist organization is smart. You can say they're savvy. That's, that's, that's fine. Maybe they are. But when you're on a stage and you tell the public Hezbollah is smart, you have to understand particularly if you are or were the president of the United States, that you are handing them propaganda. In fact, Hezbollah has already begun circulating Donald Trump's statement. They have taken the video of him calling them smart, and they're spreading it around the Arab world. It was a dumb thing for Donald Trump to do, and he should have known it. His grievances with Benjamin Netanyahu are, I think, silly grievances. And to do what he's doing and essentially make it about himself at this moment is more than a little absurd. This is his tweet, or whatever it is, his truth social post today. Quote, the attack on Israel would never have happened, zero chance, if the election of 2020 was not rigged and stolen. It shows the world how important elections are. Iran was broke and talking. Now they're rich and watching, waiting to make their move, and it will be a big one. How could crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most incompetent president in the history of the United States, allow this to happen? We went from the Abraham Accords and peace to unprecedented death and destruction. Nevertheless, this big and very dangerous problem is solvable. Make America great again. So it all comes back to a stolen election. 
It all comes back to being about Donald Trump. At some point, we got to move on, and he can't let 2020 go. The public has, and they're tending to vote against anyone who keeps doubling down on the stolen election stuff. Y'all, it's not all about Donald Trump. And what's so funny is when I try to tell people it's not always about him and he's making it about himself, I get people telling me, you're making it about Trump. No, no, I'm telling you, relevant news story. He called Hezbollah smart, and now they're circulating that clip around the Middle East in a big propaganda win. That was a dumb thing for him to do. And to then double down on this nonsense about the stolen election and he wouldn't have happened if he was there, blah, 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 blah. It's not about you, man. It's not about you. understand you want attention, but we've got dead Israeli kids and we got a war on our hands, and it's not about you. Let it go. But I know people will get defensive on his behalf. That's what always happens. And they'll blame me instead of recognizing he was stupid to say it. All right, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone provider that wants you as a customer, and all you got to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or E-R-I-C-K. That's how you spell my name. You can zoom right in if you use that link. Zoom right into your house and see how good the 5G, the data, the voice, everything is. You can also call them at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. You get great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, so much more. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you call them at 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get great discounts. You get free activation with my name. You get a brand new phone number or keep your own phone number, but do business with a conservative company that shares your values and funds the causes you care about. Well, I knew this was going to happen, and it has happened. Uh, Just so you know, the head of government media in Gaza is now telling reporters that they have found no evidence that the quote-unquote Palestinian resistance intentionally targeted children. You got that? There's no evidence. They've, they found no evidence. They intentionally targeted children. Pay no attention to the pictures of all the dead children. Uh, pay no attention to the interviews of the parents who lost their children. Nope, there's no evidence. And, of course, members of the media want you to know that Gaza says there's no evidence. Evil, evil people on display. All right, to the phones, 877-973-7425. Let's go to Stacy first. Welcome, Stacy. How are you? Hey, Eric. My question to you is, do you think Marxism is intentionally or unintentionally creeping into our country? As I understand from Karl Marx's manifesto of 1848, that um, a goal of it is to destroy the nuclear family and turn kids away from their parents. You see it with federal uh, programs, making marriage unnecessary unnecessary or incentivizing singlehood or single parenthood, uh, deleting fathers. Um, We now have language in our culture of baby mamas and baby daddies. We see the anti-capitalism movement growing in our youth. Uh, you even had COVID reporting where, you know, it was encouraging family members or kids or neighbors to report the other on each other if lockdown things were, um, uh, lockdown rules were being broken. We even see it in our educational system where the educational system wants to hide from parents some very important topics or issues that their kids are facing, even mm-hmm. down to the simple things of how we teach math. I can't 
you know, my kids don't carry the one and don't understand my instruction in math. So, you know, it just made me think, and you've talking about these topics before, is there some big organization behind a curtain pulling all these (laughs) little levers? Yeah, okay. Um, So let me, is is it intentional or unintentional? Behold the healing power of and. It is intentional and unintentional at the same time. There are absolutely people in this country at the academic level and in public policy in this White House and the Obama White House and all, who intentionally, over time, they embraced Marxism and their values and worldview reflect it. Uh, there are others then who have unintentionally been duped into this Marxist worldview. And I will tell you how quickly it turns, Stacy. And, and thanks for the phone call. Ask yourself, because I'm guilty of it too. I am guilty of it. But I suspect almost every one of you is guilty of it. How many of you have taken to saying on occasion now, I feel instead of I think? Unintentionally, you've embraced the postmodernist concepts within Marxism because you're governed by your feelings, not by reason. Look at the people who can't bring themselves to believe the atrocities in Israel are true. They're They've embraced it, not intentionally. There are those who intentionally, they began to teach from a Marxist worldview in colleges and high schools. They intended to shift us, and by God, they did. The rest of us unintentionally uh, shifting in some ways. It's, um, It's both. It's intentional and it's unintentional. And how do you fight back? Well, first of all, you have to recognize there is absolute truth. And second, you have to recognize that there is real good and there is real evil. And there is real right and there is real wrong, and you have to reject moral relativism. Communism and Marxism are premised on power dynamics. It's all about power. Uh, The ethics of a non-Marxist depend on other things. The, The ethics of a Christian depend on absolute truth. And you fight back Marxism with absolute truth, and you hold your ground. And sometimes it's tiring. I mean, look at the people who they've decided that the images of the dead are just AI-generated images. Uh, or the, the, the babies, they weren't decapitated, they were just killed, so that's okay. You've got a lot of Marxists out there who are denying decapitated babies. We now have eyewitnesses who've come forward. We now have reporters in the field who have confirmed it, uh, but they're not going to show you the pictures. If you know anything about the Jews and how they treat dead bodies, uh, they've actually broken their own rules and moral compass in showing the pictures of the dead because it's not something they do. In, in Israel, it's very hard to dig up an archaeological site and find bodies and study the DNA because the Jewish law there forces them to immediately rebury the bodies. There's a deep respect for the bodies and death, so you don't get pictures of dead babies generally out of Israel. So it's it's both. It is it's intentional and it's unintentional. It's a slow creep over time, and the way to fight back on it is to stand for truth. Now back to the phones. Open line Friday eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Al Tori, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing good, Eric. Up, oh, you broke up on me there just a minute. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. I'm doing good. How you doing today? Good. I actually have two comments and a question. Uh, the first comment is, this is like the best part of school that you don't want to miss, the history class that's interesting, actually. And 
the other comment is, I don't know if you're a betting man, but I can guarantee you that Green Bay will lose their next game. <laughs> oh, 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 you're killing me, man. I got to tell you. So first of all, oh, 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 oh. Uh, I, I listen, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not actually a betting man to begin with. I, I really, I, I play craps when I go to Vegas. I've never bet on a sports game in my life. Uh, cause as much as I like watching, I'm just not that into the stat stuff, but man, I, I don't have to bet. I mean, I can just give you the money now. Cause I know you're telling the truth. <laughs> this is that game against the Raiders. It was like watching two peewee football teams, play. it was terrible. I actually thought Green Bay was going to win it. I wasn't expecting the Raiders to. I, I will tell you, though, um, Altori, so out there, it was the craziest thing. Um, it looked like a Green Bay home game. The, probably two to one, uh, there were Green Bay fans in that stadium. Ooh. They knew, yep. they, they knew not to come. Yeah. All right, so now you, you had something else you, you wanted, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, so if you remember when bricks formed would you say that and i'm gonna be hypothetical with the phases but would you say like this would probably be a five phase plan to try to catch america off guard like america um russia of course knew they was going to go to war with ukraine but that didn't work out so now got to move on to the next step which would be what's going on now uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, so for people who don't know what the BRICS are, uh, B-R-I-C-S, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Um, where did this come from? It comes from, it was early 2000s, I want to say 2001, and it was a economic report from Goldman Sachs that coined the term BRIC, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Those were the fastest growing economies outside of the Western world. They added South Africa in there uh, a couple years later, and those countries realized they were onto something, that when you take the G7, which are the big industrial powers, uh, that they would ultimately, in, in, in strategy and projection, eventually overcome them, and they began working collaboratively together. Now, there are problems. For example, India and China are not allies. Uh, they're competitors. South Africa had been a pretty uh, Western country until the fall of the apartheid regimes there and uh, the takeover by the African National Congress and Mandela. He leaned very much to the left uh, and began allying with with China and Russia. Um, But over time, this has taken on a phrasing of up-and-coming economies to be a new axis alliance and there's real axis of evil between Russia, India and China or Russia, Iran and China. Iran is not in the BRIC nations. It's not the I, that's India. But we are seeing this axis of evil grow between Iran, China and Russia. And they are collaborating. And people on the right really need to understand what's up here because we get a lot of isolationist sentiment and you can sit home and they're going to align the world against us if we do. Iran is selling oil to China to fund China's economy. China is giving Iran money. Iran is then using that money to buy technology from China. It is then manufacturing the weapons for Russia and for terrorist groups. Russia is using those weapons to advance in Europe and to draw NATO resources into Ukraine. China is using the resources and the oil to push the United States out of the South China Sea. All of them are conspiring to destabilize West African countries that have become pro-Western. This is a globally concerted effort 
by India or by by India, by Iran, China, and Russia to undermine the Western world order. Part of it is the BRICS are collaborative, the BRIC nations. Uh, India, by the way, Brazil and, and South America or South Africa rather have been uh, participatory in this realignment. India has been flirting with these countries, even though it and China are at odds. And we gotta we gotta realize the world is trying to realign from the post-Western order of World War II. That's what's going on here. That's why the instability is here. It is because American leadership has receded on the world stage. A lot of it because of demands at home, a lot of it because of fiscal issues here, because of our spindrift ways in Washington, DC. We've put ourselves in a bind. Uh, nationally and internationally with our profligate spinning in Washington. We've put ourselves in a bind with the, the competing desires to be isolationists uh, or, or be on the world stage, and we can't get our nation on the same page. Therefore, uh, the other countries in the world are taking advantage of it. They're also trying to wedge further divides in this country. They really are trying to disrupt this country with disinformation and misinformation. Unfortunately, the media plays a part in that. Uh, the media is culpable in playing a role in the divisions in this country. I mean, look at how the media is handling Hamas. Look, look at how I, I feel bad for my Jewish friends who are at these media networks where you're not even allowed to call Hamas a terrorist network. Remarkable self-censorship in the American press. But yeah, the, the bricks are up and comers and they're working more and more together and they really do want to displace the Western world order. They Their values are hostile to our values and at some point, we've got to take a stand whether we want to take a stand or not. Now, let me tell you, one of the groups taking a stand out there is Americans for Prosperity. They are taking a stand against Bidenomics. They stand for free markets and free people, and they want you on their side. If you would like to be a part of Americans for Prosperity, you can go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You sign up to be one of more than 4 million activists around the country. With Americans for Prosperity, they teach you how to advocate for free markets and free people. They teach you how to persuade your neighbors that deregulation is a good thing, that free markets are a good thing, that Bidenomics is bad. They teach you how to go to your state legislature, even your school board, and explain how to fight back against insane federal government mandates and rules because they believe that free markets and free people bring success to our world, and they're right. History shows it. So if you support a limited government, if you support free markets, if you support free people, Americans for Prosperity want you on their team. They will train you to be a more effective conservative activist. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let me take a phone call here. Hal, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Up. Oh. Oh, there you go, Hal. Sorry, I thought I activated the call, and I didn't. That's okay. What's going on? Eric, I just I heard a quote that I thought was very appropriate for our time. Um, I'm sure you know who Golda Meir is. Why? Oh, yes. She said, we can forgive the Arabs for killing our children. We can never forgive them for forcing us to kill their children. There will never be peace with the Arabs until they love their children more than they hate us. And I thought that was very descriptive of our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I, I completely agree. 
Uh, and she was a great leader of Israel. So, you know, there, there's a, a new movie out with Helen Mirren playing Golda Meir um, during the early days of, of Israel and the war there. Um, and it's, I haven't seen it. I, I actually downloaded it, um, in, on my iPad on the way home from Vegas the other day and just never, never got a, uh, a chance to, um, never got a chance to watch it. I uh, had too much work to do on the plane. Uh, now, you know, there, there's also another, uh, quote and that one is from scripture, frankly, that, um, about, um, uh, Isaac and Ishmael, and there would never be peace between the two. And that is a lot of Christians read that. A lot of Jews read that as there will never be peace in the Middle East until the second coming. Um, and so, yeah, there are lots of, lots of quotes, but uh, the bottom line is this. Uh, and I think it was Netanyahu who said this one, that um, if, if the Arabs stop attacking, if the Arabs give put down their guns today, there would be peace in the Middle East. If Israel put down their guns today, there would be no Israel tomorrow. And that's it. Um, the, there is right now a situation brewing where the Jordanians have uh, begun firing tear gas at people trying to storm the Israeli border. Uh, to get in and wreak havoc. Uh, we've had a number of situations around the world today of this supposed day of violence. Nothing, to my knowledge, has happened, knock on wood, in this country today, uh, overtly violent. Uh, but uh, there are a, a number of situations. So, for example, in New York, the governor has suggested that Jews close all Jewish schools today because of this uh, day of rage that it has been called. Uh, an Israeli embassy employee was stabbed in Beijing this morning. A French teacher was knifed to death today by a man shouting Alo Akbar. Um, in Florida, Governor DeSantis has ordered the Florida State Patrol to be outside every Jewish school in the state um, as a show of force and protection against them with this so-called day of rage that the Hamas has declared. Uh, I, I had a lot of friends of mine reach out to me last night, this morning saying, am I safe to go into the city today? Am I, I safe to go in? I've got a lot of friends today who were so bothered by these calls for a day of rage and what they've seen on college campuses around the country that they all went to work with a gun today. Uh, I've, I've got mine here. Um, and I, it's, it is a, it's bothersome to understand that a group of people have encouraged violence today, violence to stand in solidarity with a violent group that has killed children. What really bothers me the most about this, though, are the number of people who just refuse to believe. Like, for example, you've got this left-wing reporter at the Los Angeles Times who we, we, we now have confirmation on the beheaded babies. We have reporters who are eyewitnesses. We have Israeli soldiers who are eyewitnesses. They've all come forward, so they've seen it for themselves, not by third party, but by themselves. At this point, I really think the people who deny it, they just want to see the pictures of the dead babies. But let's say they left the heads on the babies. Does that make it better? So they kill, we know they killed kids. We've seen the pictures of dead babies, just not the ones without their heads. Does it make it any better that they just killed the babies? 
Now you've got Gaza coming out. You've got Hamas's PR wing coming out saying, we never intentionally targeted kids. Oh, never intentionally targeted kids. See, there you have it. There are no dead babies. Yes, there are. And by the way, there's breaking news happening right now from Fox News. Griff Jenkins reporting. Customs and Border Patrol sources confirmed two men in their early to mid-20s from Lebanon were apprehended in Eagle Pass, Texas yesterday at a location uh, near where Fox is reporting. They are considered special interest aliens and are currently undergoing extensive background vetting by the U.S. government. wonder if they'll just be given ankle bracelets and sent out into the wild. Uh, we got to secure our border. When we come back, do you have Vanguard managing your 401k? I do. Did you know that they're funding the Chinese military? Ha-ha. I got a story for you guys when we come back.